You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From March the 28th, 2021, at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here immediately. Well, they went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. And as they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told him what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. And then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed! is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. things about this year's beach walk that has generated a lot of comments have been these shirts. Uh, maybe, could, would you guys be willing to model for us these? All right, come model, uh, put them on the spot here. These, these uh, highlighter yellow, uh, right? Oh, don't fall back. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> highlighter yellow, um, uh, post-it note yellow, some uh, some people, uh, one person said, I, th- I think it was Suman Kreef, said that these shirts could stop traffic. <laughs> so uh, thank you, ladies. I appreciate that. These, <laughs> these shirts could stop traffic. So I wonder if maybe that's what happened in the Suez Canal. Maybe that captain <laughs> was wearing one of our beach walk shirts. You think, you think that's what happened in the Suez Canal? The Ever Given, stuck now for five days in the Suez Canal, backing up 12% of the world's trade goods, costing 400,000, let's see, I believe it's, no, $400 million per day. I think we're standing at 43 billion, if I did my math right. $43 billion, this, uh, this backup in the Suez Canal is costing us. Now, this ever given, this cargo ship that's stuck there in the Suez Canal, uh, the Suez Canal runs north and south between Egypt and the Sinai Peninsula. All right, I'm going to give you a little geography lesson here. So you've got Egypt to your uh, west and Sinai to the east, the Suez Canal running north and south between it. Now, this Suez Canal, at somewhere along that way, is where Moses would have led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt 
across the Suez Canal to the Sinai Peninsula. We don't know where, nobody knows where. Archaeologists can't seem to find it, but somewhere along that path is where Moses would have led them from slavery in Egypt. Now, it would be simple today. They'd just hop aboard the, the Ever Given, kind of run across from bank to bank, and they'd be free. But, but, you know, Moses, he parted the Red Sea somewhere in that area. And I think it's ironic that it's happening right at the time when our Jewish brothers and sisters celebrate Passover, that same celebration of being freed from slavery in Egypt. So this Passover celebration is the same celebration that brought Jesus and his disciples to Jerusalem. They were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And this would have been um, an exciting time when lots of tourists coming to town. We don't know anything about that here at Clearwater Beach. Lots of tourists coming to town for the celebration. Uh, It would have been a kind of a tinderbox for uprisings against the Roman imperial authority as the Jews gathered together celebrating their freedom from another oppressive regime. And so, and so Pontius Pilate coming in from the west with his chariots and his Roman soldiers kind of coming in, bum, 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 with, you know, to keep the peace, right, to keep the law in order there in Jerusalem. And then on the other side of town, we find Jesus and his ragtag band of disciples. Jesus riding in on a donkey. Could have found something more regal, don't you think? A donkey? Really? And so I have come over the years to believe that, uh, that Jesus was engaging in a staged protest, a mockery, a lampoon of the Roman occupation of Israel. And so Jesus riding in on a donkey and and his followers helping him with this protest. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! Hosanna! And so they're having a good time. But uh, probably stopping traffic. You see, thousands of people would have been coming down that same pathway into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And here's this group of rabble-rousers trying to get themselves in trouble with Rome. What if you're not a part of that group and you're watching this from the outside and you're yourself you're trying to get in Jerusalem you're trying you, you know you got your luggage you just want to get in the hotel for crying out loud maybe soak in the hot tub a little bit and there's this group of rabble rousers trying to get themselves in trouble maybe maybe you sympathize with them because you're Jewish too you're coming for the Passover but but you don't want to get yourself in trouble right on that first Palm Sunday that's kind of what's happening they're stopping traffic out of protest. And we know a little something about how that works because that still happens today. We, we, when we see people protesting, oftentimes they're stopping traffic. And if, if you're trying to get somewhere and you run across a protest, you're not terribly happy that you have to figure out another way or sit there while they clear it out. Maybe you're sympathetic with a, a, the cause of a protester, but, but, but you're irritated because you've got to figure something out. Well, recently I reread the letter from a Birmingham jail penned by Dr. Martin Luther King, as you might guess, from jail in Birmingham. Man, this is, if you've never read this letter, I, go home today and read this letter. 
It is a powerful, powerful letter. It's a 7,000-word letter, and it's written to white clergy. Hello. It's written to white clergy who, who expressed maybe a little bit of sympathy for the cause of the protesters there in Birmingham, but, but did not like the methods that Dr. King and his followers were using. And so they chastise him as Dr. King sits in jail and he reads this that they have written. And so... Dr. Martin Luther King begins his letter to the white clergyman in, in Birmingham. My dear, dear fellow clergymen, King writes, while confined here in this Birmingham city jail, I came across your recent statement calling my present activities unwise and untimely, King said. I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. I'm not going to read you the whole letter, but it's worthwhile. Go home and read it. I'll read you parts that I find particularly powerful. King writes, You deplore the demonstrations taking place in Birmingham, but your statement fails to express a similar concern for the conditions that brought about the demonstrations. Another part. Nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and foster such a tension that a community which has constantly refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue. It seeks so to dramatize the issue that it can no longer be ignored. And finally, the last snippet I'll read for you. We know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Now Jesus was among the oppressed, the Jews living in first century Palestine, Israel. He was a Jew. The Roman occupation uh, oppressed the Jewish people. And so J Jesus is, is demonstrating as an oppressed person. And so what is he doing? He's stopping traffic. He's causing a scene. He's making waves. And so I wonder if you had been there, but not yet part of the crowd with Jesus, kind of watching from the outside. I wonder how that might have struck you in the moment. Now this week I've been watching kind of with interest. There are a lot of memes going around the internet about this, about this container ship stuck in the Suez Canal, right? It's 220,000 tons plus the cargo. And so, you know, you can't just kind of push it out of the way, Right? Uh, and maybe you've seen the little picture of, and I think it's, I don't, I'm not good with machinery, but I think it's a front-end loader. Have you seen this little picture of the little tiny front-end loader trying to dig it out? It's kind of like the little front-end loader that could, you know, it's not going to get anywhere soon. It's been stuck there for five days. They have no idea how they're going to get that thing out of there. And there's nearly 300 boats kind of trying to figure out how to, how to get where they're going. And so if I'm one of those boat captains, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do here? I, I'm, I'm in another boat. This boat's blocking the way. It's blocking traffic. So what am I going to do? I figured there are three options. Number one, just go home. <laughs> you know, I'll just, I'll just take this cargo another day. I'm going to go home. I'm going to sleep in my own bed until this thing gets resolved. Go home. Second option, many of them are waiting it out. You can wait it out. You can drop your anchor, you know, there in the Suez Canal, the Mediterranean, or maybe if you're already in the canal, uh, 
just drop, just drop anchor and play solitaire for a few days, you know? So you can go home, you can wait it out. Number three, what's the third one? Go the long way around. You can go down around the Horn of Africa and all the way back up. It's only 10 extra days, that's all. So you, those are kind of your three options. Go home, you can wait it out, or you can take an alternate route. Now, let me ask you, if you're a bystander and you're seeing this protest happen and you're not sure what's happening, who's this Jesus guy, why is he on a donkey, and why are these people risking this? I don't know. I, you know, I don't like the Roman occupation, but I'm not going to put myself in that kind of situation. So what are you going to do? What are your options? Number one, you could go home. You could say, okay, I'll come to Jerusalem for Passover another day. This is too crazy. Not coming. You could go home. You could. You could wait it out. You could, I'm going to hang out in Bethany for a little while. See, wait till these guys pass. Check out the Mount of Olives. I hear it's nice this time of year. You could wait it out. Number three, you could take an alternate route. You know, this is much simpler to come in through the east, but maybe taking that north route down into Jerusalem, it'll take us a little bit longer. We won't get in the hot tub as soon, but oh, we could go around this protest and come down from the north. We could take an alternate route. But there's a fourth option here. What? What? Yeah, you're getting it. You could join. You could join that protest. You could, you could cut your own palm branch, and you could join that protest, but in my mind, here's what I'm doing. You know, that's kind of exciting. <laughs> I could join the protest. How cool. I'd be a protester. But wait a minute. What if, what if they arrest people? Or, you know, what if my boss... <laughs> the church board. What if my boss sees me here? <laughs> or what if somebody takes a selfie and I'm just happen to photobomb it? You know, it's all over the internet now, right? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know, a little too, a little too risky for me. I'm going to hang out in Bethany. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would have had the kutzpah. It's a good Jewish word, right? I don't know if I would have had the courage to join the protest. How about you? Would you have been there? What do you think? Would you? Shake hand there? Hmm? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could have done it. And then, in Bethany, sitting around table, Jesus is at the table. This woman comes in with this expensive jar of perfume used to, for burial purposes. It's, it's, it's worth a whole, I, I don't know, I think I've read it's worth a far more than a year's wages, this perfume. And she, she takes it and she breaks it over Jesus' head and it, and it pours down over him. And you can, you can almost imagine the scent filling the room. But how wasteful. How wasteful. She could have sold that. We could have sold that and given that money to the poor. Would I have been among those who complained about the woman's act of worship? Or would I have been celebrating her love poured out over Jesus? Heck, maybe you would have been the one breaking the jar open. Where would you have been in that scene? See, if it's me and I know myself, I'm thinking the protest is too risky. And I know myself, I'm thinking that jar is too costly. 
I'm not sure I would have been in the right place at the right time. I'm just not sure. I want to think I'm a person of faith. I try to live that way. In my mind, I'm a great Christian. (laughs) I'm just not sure I would have been had the moment made me choose. How about you? Well, today on this Palm Sunday, as we enter into the next Holy Week, we don't have to remain stuck where we are in our doubt. We don't have to remain stuck wondering, had had we been there, would we have chosen correctly? Because this week we have the choice once again. That's what every Holy Week presents us. It's a chance to join Jesus, the beloved, on the winding way. Will we take a step toward Jesus this week, or will we lay down our palm and walk away? What will we do? Because sometimes faith demands sacrifice. Jesus said, he who comes after me must take up his cross. How often? Daily. And follow me. You see, in American Christianity and perhaps around the world, we like our faith to be easy. We like what faith gives us, maybe the comfort, the strength, the hope, the wisdom. We like to get all the good stuff that faith affords us without the sacrifice that's demanded with it. We like our Christianity comfortable. Not comfortable, no thank you laying down my palm, walking away. How about you? Will you take a step this week to deepen your faith? What sacrifice are you being being invited to offer this week? To deepen your faith, to walk with Jesus a little closer, a little less doubt, a little more faith. There's a song I'm reminded of. I learned it, I think, when I was a teenager. It's called, I Will Not Offer Anything That Costs Me Nothing. It goes like this. I will not offer anything that costs me nothing. I'll place before him nothing less than my very best. And if I'm called to sacrifice, it will be worthy of my Christ. I will not offer anything that costs me nothing. May you walk into your holy week being willing to lay down more than a palm for the one who laid it all down for you. Thanks for listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.